Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. series called When Pigs Fly, When Pigs Fly, and it's about lessons from the miraculous. And today, as I get ready to preach this message, this has been one of the hardest messages for me to prepare. And, and, and the reason it was, like I was sitting there on Thursday, and I've got notes all over, like I handwrite my notes first. And it's like, I don't know if you guys remember Russell Crowe, Beautiful Mind, when there's just stuff all over the place. There was like five pages with just stuff pointing here and going there. And I'm just looking at it. And, and the reason this one was so hard, um, and so hard for me to speak, and so hard for me to prepare, is because I needed this one big time. And so as I preach this to you, I, 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 I should be sitting out there hearing it. Um, and I never want to portray that I have it all together. If you know me well, that myth has been fully dismissed um, in your life. You're like, no, he's just a screw up. But um, this is one of those messages that, that really I didn't know I had an issue and Till it was an issue, right? Like, I, and that's the way a lot of things work in life. They become sneaky. Uh, uh, this past week, we had, we're, we're having some work done in our house. We had some electricians come and start running some electrical wire because I know nothing about how to do anything manual labor related, like electricity, fixing things. It's not in my gift set. I've tried. It's not that I'm lazy. I will, I will try, but I'm a screwed up. So we had some electricians running some electrical stuff, and we were in our attic. And in the process of our attic, I go in, and our AC units are in there, and I see our AC units, and somebody, we had some work done on them uh, last year about this time, um, and, and somebody the guy that had worked on it had cut the pipes, like the PVC pipes going into my AC unit. And I don't know a lot, but I know that air is not supposed to be blowing, free-flowing out of two pipes in your attic. And I'm like, that, that's, that's, not, that's not okay, right? Like, that's, that's not right. And so um, I, I turned the unit off. I called somebody, um, an AC guy, to come and look at it. And he walks in, his eyes get this big, and he goes, how long has this been going on? I go, hey, I found it yesterday. Um, and he got really serious. His name was James. And he goes, Justin, he goes, I'm not over-exaggerating when I tell you, you probably saved your family's life. He goes, this is pouring out carbon monoxide in your house. He goes, if you wouldn't have discovered this, he goes, you guys would have died. So I just want to let you know, you're looking at a genuine lifesaver today. Um, <clears throat> 
not, not only do I get in fights with old ladies on airplanes, but I, I have the ability to call somebody to save my family's life. Um, but here's, a, here's, a, here's why I'm telling you this, is we had no idea it was an issue, and the only time that we would have discovered it was an issue would have been, it would have been too late, right? It would have cost us, and that's something I want to talk to you guys about today. Today, I want to talk to you not about a theoretical idea. I want to talk to you about a predictable outcome, not a matter of if it's going to happen, but when it happens, right? So a predictable outcome is something like this. A predictable outcome, you, you, this happens every week. Um, husbands, your wife's like, hey, I need to stop by Target and buy one thing. You know, I know, you're not fooling anybody, ladies. We know that you're not coming out with one thing. You're coming out with all the things because you have the target card and you get 5% off and you just rationalize, right? And we, and we know it, it's a predictable outcome. Every fall, there is a predictable outcome. When OU plays OSU in football, OU always wins. There's a predictable outcome that happens. I know all the OSU fans are leaving right now and you block me out. Hear, hear me, there, there are predictable outcomes See, see, sit down right now. Security, security. <laughs> I've been booed. I'm not scared. Um, right here, right now. There are predictable outcomes that happen in our life. Um, and today I want to talk to you about the story of Naaman, a man named Naaman and Elisha. Um, and some of you, you probably heard this story when you were young um, in, in children's church growing up as a kid, but you probably haven't heard it talked about in a long time. And this is going to be what, what miracle we look at and the lesson we can learn from this miracle that we can glean from this miraculous event. Um, in this story is a man named Naaman. Naaman is a somebody. He is like the big cheese. He is the captain of the army of a, a country called Aram, um, and he is highly valued he is a, 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 a prized warrior in essence. He, anywhere he goes, he is respected, he is known, and he is held in high esteem. And Naaman gets a disease called leprosy. And most of us are probably familiar with leprosy. You probably haven't seen it because for the most part, it's not around anymore, except in extreme poverty-stricken areas. The only time I ever saw it um, was in, when I was in India, and it was crazy. And, um, but back in biblical times, there was, for the most part, no cure for leprosy. In fact, you were sent off to a leper colony where you were isolated. You had to live your days out alone, um, just surrounded by other people who had leprosy. And you were just out there isolated, alone, and living your last days in a very painful, horrible existence. And so Naaman gets this disease, and he tells the king about it, and the king starts freaking out. And he's like, we got to get this better. And an Israelite girl that's a servant girl in his house tells him, tells Naaman about a man, a man of God named Elisha, who is a prophet. And so the king's like, you've got to go to this place. And so Naaman goes to the king of Israel. He's like, I'm here. I've heard there's a man, a godly man here that can cure me. The Israelite king like freaks out because he thinks uh, Naaman's starting to try to start a war with him because he's like, there's no way I can cure this guy. There's no fix. He knows it. And Elisha hears about it. He's like, hey, king, calm down. Like, let, let, let's calm down right now, send them my way, and that's kind of where we pick up in the story. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9 through 14, and it says this, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. 
But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Harpar better than all the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. He got mad, right? Like he's angry. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the river and dipped himself seven times as a man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Naaman got angry, right? Because it didn't happen the way Naaman thought it was going to happen. He wasn't treated the way he thought he should be treated. And something sneaks into Naaman's life and Naaman's attitude that is silent but deadly. And I understand, I just said silent but deadly, and that's the title of my message today, silent but deadly. And something that will sneak into your life, to my life, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. Today, I want to talk to you about the topic of pride. I want to talk to you about pride. And, and, and when you think about pride, probably most of us think, well, I don't, I don't struggle with pride, right? Most of us think of it as being conceited, being self-absorbed. But, but hear me today, as we go through this, you're going to understand pride is way, way, way bigger and more encompassing than just you being conceited and absorbed with yourself. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, unchastity, which means sexual immorality, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison to pride. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. I want us to stop here because here's what I know is that C.S. Lewis is way smarter than I will ever be, right? Way more godly than I probably will ever be. And, and here's what he says out of his book in Mere Christianity. He says, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that, just, just whatever you want to put in, all of it are, are, are flea bites, are tiny in comparison to pride. What C.S. Lewis is saying is he's saying this, if we were to break it down in, in, in terms that we could understand. Pride is the d gateway drug to a whole lot more bigger things, right? Pride is the gateway drug. It is the gateway into a whole lot more silent, deadly things that create chaos, hurt, and pain for your life and for my life. And, and, and here's, here's why this was so hard for me to, to preach, and here's why it's hard for me to preach. It's about three weeks ago, we're reading a book as a staff, um, and, and we get to this chapter on pride, and I'm like, who has pride? Like, whatever. And I start reading this book, and I'm like, 
no, no, no. And I'm like, that, that's dumb. You know, and I just start reading through. I'm like, that's dumb too. That's dumb, whatever. Like, who's this guy? And I keep reading. I mean, he's just reading my mail. And some of you, there are sermons I preach that you're like, why are you staring at me, Justin, right now? Like, because you feel like I'm talking, I'm reading your mail. I can't see your faces for the most part for, with all the lights. Um, and, and so I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And, and he puts these moments in places and, and, and for, for, for him to let us know, hey, I know what's going on and I know what you're dealing with. And when I read this, I went and asked Casey, it's like, hey, I'm reading this book on pride and I'm reading this chapter on pride and, and man, this is, this is me, huh? Like, do you think I struggle with this? She's like, oh, that's totally you. And I'm like, shut up. Who asked you, woman? Like, I'm like... And so, so as, as I started looking at this, there, there's a few things I want us to understand about pride. And the first one is this, is pride is more focused on status and looks and progress and obedience. Pride is more focused on status and looks than progress and obedience. Like when you think about the story of Naaman, Naaman was upset because he wasn't treated the way he thought he should be treated, right? Elisha doesn't even come out, Right? Like, he sends out a messenger to give Naaman instructions on what to do. And Naaman, Naaman is a somebody. Like, Naaman's like, do you know who I am? Like, do you know what class I fly on planes? Like, on Southwest, I am A1 through A15. I am, like, big time. Like, here, here, here it is. Like, do you know what I drive? Do you know what house I live in? Do you know my race? And Naaman gets upset, and he gets full of pride. And hear me, in the midst of him getting so puffed up with pride and how dare he, and you can't treat me this way, and I can't believe you're not coming out and praying over me and having this ceremony, and he had expectations, and he had preconceived ideas. In the process of all this, Naaman almost misses out on the very thing he needed the most. And that's what pride does for you and me. It will always keep you from experiencing the miraculous in your relationships, in your finances, in your life, in your character. I believe God wants to do miraculous things daily on our lives and daily in our lives. And, and Naaman was at a place that he was more about how he was being treated and the appearances of, of what everybody else was seeing. He was more consumed with his looks and his status than he was at getting better. Some of you, you know what? It's no different for you. It's no different for me. We're about keeping up appearances. Your marriage is falling apart, but you're not going to admit it to anybody, right? Because you've got to keep up appearances. Moms, you got so much guilt and you're barely holding everything together, but you don't reach out, right? Why? Because you don't want all the other moms to know that you're falling apart. Dads, you're freaked out financially. You, you, don't, even, you, you don't even know what you're doing anymore, right? You're just like, I'm just showing up. And you can't admit it because then all your buddies and all your friends know that you don't have it together, even though the perception is you guys are the happy family. What do you do? What, what, what do you do? Because we can't keep going on living like this. And, and, and pride keeps us being more consumed with the appearance and the status and how everything looks than it actually getting 
better. And we can look at Naaman's story and say, man, how could he almost do that? But the situation of our life is no different. And if you were outside looking at your life and looking at your situation, you would be asking the same questions. How could you let some, how could somebody let that happen? And here it is, pride has snuck in and it is sneaky and it is quiet and it is silent. Man, it's deadly. Man, it wreaks havoc. Here's what C.S. Lewis also said about pride. It said, pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Pride devours everything it comes in contact with. So here's, here's pride side effects for us today. Pride feels superior and looks down at others. And, and, and here's where we go immediately when I say that. Well, I don't, I don't feel superior to others. I don't look down at others. We would never term it that way. What we do instead of feeling superior to others and looking down at others, we don't call it this. We just talk about others. Right? And, and let me tell you, if you're talking about others in there somewhere, and, and we don't think about it this way, somewhere in there, pride got in. And you feel superior, otherwise you wouldn't be talking negatively about them. See, see we, we, we want to call it someone else, something else because it looks better if we put a filter on it. But man, when you put the filter off, it's still ugly, right? It's like some of our Instagram posts. Like, you still got wrinkles after you take that filter off. Like, you might as well just leave them there, right? Like, it's, it's still there? Hey, um, I'm just moving on, moving on. Um, pride side effects. It cheats to get ahead. You don't call it cheating. You water it down and call it something else. You rationalize it. You justify it. That's what pride does. Number three, side effect. This was me. You become judgmental and critical of others. Let me, let me spell this out because when I first started thinking this, I was like, I'm not judgmental. I'm not, that's not me. I'm a fun-loving guy. Like, hey, that's not, that's not me. Here, here's what I mean by that. You start saying, I will give you, I'm, I'm giving you my phrases right now, Right? Here's what, not you would never say this, this is what I say. Well, if they would work harder, their life wouldn't look like this. If they would be more responsible, if they would have made dev- better decisions, they wouldn't be dealing with this. And, and that's me, right? That, that's your pastor. That's my big one. I, I'm just like, man, if they, would, if they would just listen to the sermon and apply the sermon, then their life would be changed, right? Like information plus transfer, application equals transformation. And, and here's the deal, is I can be speaking truth, but man, my truth, after a while, pride comes in and makes truth really, really harsh. And it may be true, but you're using that truth to criticize and judge others. They don't need me to judge them, and they don't need me to criticize them. And what happens is I become critical in my heart and my spirit when people don't do what I think they ought to do. Pride creeps in. Another side effect is you ignore the warning signs, the whining signs, the warning signs. The rules don't apply to you, right? You are no mere mortal. You are the exception to the rule. You, fifth one, you lie about your mistakes and minimize your past. You blame others for your mistakes. It never accepts responsibility. It always, always blames others because you couldn't have done something wrong. And then the sixth side effect is it feels entitled. You know what entitlement means? It means that someone who thinks something is owed to them by, the, by life in general or because of who they are. And that was Naaman. 
He came in and he felt entitled because of who he was, because he had been successful. And if we're not careful, success, here's, I love this quote. I don't know who said it. I don't know who wrote it, but it's good. You know you have pride when success goes to your head and failure goes to your heart. You know you have a pride issue when success goes to your head and pride and failure goes to your heart. And some of us, man, we never thought that was our issue, but it is. It is. So what do you do? What what do I do? Because here's what happens, and here's where pride comes. At the root of pride is a distorted view of yourself. You you have a distorted view of yourself. I have a distorted view of myself. Pride is the house of mirrors in our life. You remember those house of mirrors that you would go in at at like the the state fair and it'd be all these different mirrors and you could look at and you'd look fat in one and some of us, that's just a normal mirror. Um, We look skinny in others. Um, You look tall, you look short. You know, it's just like, hey, this is it, you know? And you're just like, ah, that's not, you know, you turn sideways, you have a big nose, that's reality, right? Like it's just part of it. Like, what kind of mirror is this? What did you buy, Casey? Um, hear me. Is that, that's what pride does. It distorts the reality of who you really are. And it makes you better than you are. And when you fail, it makes you worse than you are. That's pride. Second thing I want us to understand about pride is this, is that pride always comes with a plus one. Pride always comes with a plus one. If you go to a wedding, you get invited. There's this huge party afterwards where they feed everybody, and I'm really hoping that trend changes in the next 10 years because it's going to be really expensive for me. Um, And you have this dinner, and when you get this invitation, they send out this invitation, um, and they say, how many is in your party? And you say, you know, one. If you're married, hopefully, or you're dating somebody, it's a really good date, by the way. Um, But you put one, or if you've got kids and they actually want to go, and you put, you know, however many kids you got and how many are in your party it's you've got somebody coming with you pride always has a plus one and here's what the bible says it is proverbs 29 23 pride ends in humiliation but humility brings honor what's the plus one to pride it's humiliation also says this in proverbs 11 verse 2 pride leads to disgrace but with humility comes wisdom Let me give you some things that pride keeps you from. Pride keeps you from apologizing. Some of you, you have a hard time truly apologizing. What I mean, you say, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I made you angry, but that's not an apology. The moment the but comes out, the apology goes out, right? Like your welcome side section for that visual. Um, (laughs) That's not an apology. Like the moment you start putting, here's the other one I had to learn, what an apology. I'm sorry you got upset. That is not an apology. (laughs) Sounds really good to me because I'm not, anyways, um, that's not. Some of you, you will keep arguing. You know you're wrong. And in the middle of you knowing you're wrong, pride keeps you arguing because I'm not going to apologize, right? Pride keeps you from apologizing. Pride keeps you from forgiving, Pride's more concerned about revenge than forgiveness. Because you say to yourself, forgiveness is for those who are weak and like to be ran over. I'm not not getting ran over again. That's pride. Pride keeps you from seeking counsel or wise advice. You have to have all the answers. Right? Think, think, Think how much pride stresses you out. 
parents, think of this. You have to have all the answers? What? That, that's crazy stress. The Bible says this, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Fourth thing pride keeps you from is healthy relationships. It's not about serving one another. Pride says this, what have you done for me lately? What's in it for me? That's pride. Last thing is this, is that it doesn't ask for help. It shows no weakness or struggle. And here's the crazy thing. We, we understand if, if pride's plus one is humility and disgrace. I mean, excuse me. If pride's plus one is, is uh, no, no, I forgot it, is disgrace and humiliation. If that's what pride's plus one is, can I tell you, humility's plus one is wisdom and honor. And, and I, I'm not the smartest guy in the building, but I do know this is true for every single one of us. If I was to say, would you like your life to be full of disgrace and humiliation or honor and wisdom, every single one of us would pick this. Every single one of us would pick honor and wisdom. Pride's plus one is humiliation and disgrace. Humility's plus one is honor and wisdom. And here's the reality for you and me is the only one that can pick humility for you is you. It's you. So here's what I've come to learn is that pride gets you in trouble, but humility gets you help. Pride gets you trouble, gets you into trouble, but humility gets you help. C.S. Lewis said this, there's no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which, which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. The vice I am talking of is pride or self-conceit and the virtue opposite to it in Christian morals is called humility. Galatians 6.3 says, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. James 4, 6-7, And he gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Think about that. God, if you have pride in your life, the reason miraculous things aren't happening on the daily it's because the, the word of God says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the day of devil and he will flee. Most of us, we know that. Resist the devil and he will flee, but we have no idea of the context of it. It's talking about humility and pride. Humility and pride. Do you know what humility means? It means a modest or low view of one's own importance. And here it is. I've got to stop and I could preach this message for days. Here's, here's where it's at. For most of us, our life is built around this. If we were just to be real transparent and honest, that if I'm strong enough, I won't struggle. If I'm smart enough, if I'm responsible enough, I, I, I won't. I can avoid all this heartache. Single parents, if I'm tough enough, then I don't have to show any hurt, any pain coming my way. And yet, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if he's to increase, I've got to decrease. That when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect. That's what the Bible says. And so it's not to hide where we need help. Pride says, I don't need help. I can do it on my own. I'm capable. I'm smart enough. But you weren't created to do it on your own. Right? You weren't created to fix you. You weren't created to have all the answers. You weren't created to do all this, but pride will get you at a place where it will get you into trouble. 
Last spring, we, were, uh, we, we had this rock path at our house that we built, and we, we kind of put in to kind of help erosion and just walk down to a pond. And um, we needed to work, work at it a little bit more and kind of extend it. And so we were finding big rocks that we could put on this rock path, and I'm out there by myself, and I come across this rock. And um, this rock right here um, changed my life. And the reason is, it, it, here's how dumb pride is. Even when I was taking this picture, I tried to make this rock look as big as I possibly could and as heavy as I possibly could. I'm like, if I get the right angle right. Um, because I was out in this field and I go to pick it up and I've got the right form and it's awkward pull and I go to pull it up and some of you know exactly what I'm getting ready to say. There was a burning sensation that I've never felt all through my back and I was like, dang it, I just hurt myself. And I dropped the rock and I was like, ah, you know, I was so frustrated because here's what happened. I, kn I knew I had no business picking that rock up, right? With, like, wise me was saying, don't do it, don't do it. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I'm still got it. I still got it, you know? Like Casey, ah, you know, like, and I'm just thinking, and Casey's not even out there. Like, this is pride. And I pull my back, and it's burning. Um, I'm still walking around, so I'm like, okay, I had, to, I had to humble myself. One of the most humbling moments, I had to go into my house and ask Casey and Charlie and Chloe, my three girls, I'm like, hey, there's a rock that's too big for me. Can you come help me lift it? <laughs> and there, you know what they did? Yeah, sure. We'll come out, and we all picked it up, and we moved it, and it's great and wonderful, but I'm the one hurting from it, right? You know why that took? Well, it took me hurting myself first, but it took humility. It took humility. And things change in your life when you become humble instead of proud. Things changed in Naaman's life when he became humble instead of proud. And what's your rock today? What's your rock? Because Naaman had this preconceived idea of the way it was going to look and the way it was going to work. And the way all this thing was going to come about. And when it didn't happen, and when it wasn't this look at me moment, and it wasn't this grand moment, and God decided to do it a different way, Naaman got mad. Because it wasn't the way Naaman wanted. And some of you, I, I have a feeling <laughs> that that's exactly where you are. You're waiting on God to do something in your life when God's waiting on you to stop moving the rock the way you want and let God move the rock for you. And it may move, be moved to a different way, and it may be moved to a different fashion, and it may not even look the way you want it to look, but are you more about it getting better and God doing the miraculous in your life, or are you more about keeping up appearances? Are you really more concerned about getting well and your relationships really being healthy and your life really being good instead of just looking good? Or is pride winning out? What's your rock? Because here's what I know, is that every single one of us, we have a Jordan River in our life, right? We have something we, we don't, Naaman didn't like the Jordan River. He's like, why can't I go back home? The rivers are a lot cleaner, a lot better. In, in, in essence, this is the Illinois River, okay? The Naaman's having, it's got chicken poop, it's gross, it's nasty. Like, ah, can I just go down? Or let's do it this way. It's the Arkansas River, right? Like, now we're talking, now we're preaching. Everybody's like, okay, I'm with you right now. Like, I, I, yes. And Naaman didn't like the Jordan River. Naaman didn't like the answer. But he didn't miss it. Some of you, maybe you don't like the answer you're being given. But don't miss it. Don't let pride rob it from you. 
hear me, pride comes in silent and it's sneaky and it's deadly. It has huge consequences. Humility, it always gets help. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Disgrace and humiliation or wisdom and honor. It's up to you. It's up to me. And the only one that chooses it for you is you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I, I've got to work through this message all week long, and it still is one of those messages I have to work on. Lord, pride can sneak in, but it takes effort to get it out. And so, Lord, I pray wherever we may be, whatever we may be dealing with, however pride looks in our life, that we first off would be really honest about it. God, that we wouldn't be dismissive of it, because that's just pride saying we're the exemption to the rule. The Lord, we, we wouldn't minimize it, but God, we would just be honest about it, and we would understand as long as pride is running the show, everything is going to be dysfunctional. God, as C.S. Lewis said, it's, it's, it's the vice that leads to everything else. God, is the anti-God state of mind. And so let us be really honest. And let us be really real. But Lord, let us make a change. Let us respond to the calling that you have in our life. Lord, I pray that we would get low and we would stay low. That Lord, we would humble ourselves because Lord, there is leverage and there is power when we are low. Lord, to the humble, you give wisdom. To the humble, their life is lived out in an honorable way. Lord, so, so I pray that we would understand that, that it's our job to keep humbling ourselves. And this is a daily thing. Your invitation to us is to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow after you. Not to keep up appearances, not to look important, not to build a platform, not to build a name, not to build our stage, but to deny all that, all that culture tells us is important, to deny all that so that we can follow after you. Lord, I prayed that there would be just really honest evaluation and God, there would be real change so that there can be change in relationships, there can be change in our life, and the Lord we wouldn't miss out on the miraculous you're wanting to do in our life just because it's not done the way we envisioned it. Lord, move in us and be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, today if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and where I'm at in life, man, I don't know how I got to this place. Today you may be here and maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you're here and where you are, you've just drifted away in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Hear me, most of us are sitting by other people and most of the time what keeps change from truly happening in our life is the worry of what other are, is going to perceive about us. And usually those people that we're worried about are the ones sitting right next to us. 
And here's what I want to encourage every person in this place. To, if you aren't at a place in your relationship, you should be, you've drifted, or maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. The person sitting next to you isn't going to be critical of you, but they are going to celebrate you today. Don't let what people may think of you in keeping up your status and looks be more important than change that wants to happen. And today, if that's you, when I count to three, all I'm going to ask ask you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a moment and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. You just raise your hand. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. And you just lift your hand right where you are. You join this one hand that's lifted before we go any further in this service. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Man, don't miss this moment. You join this one hand. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me, I mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. And that where I'm at isn't where I should be. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.